welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church Audio Podcast. We are glad that you are joining us today. Please stay tuned for today's message. Enjoy, and God bless. On this morning, who's going to be presenting the word? My precious, precious daughter-in-law, Pastor Angel Hudson. Will you greet her? Thank you. Good morning. It's so good to be with you guys this morning. I mean, I'm here every week, but it's good to be with you here in this position um, to be speaking to you this morning. Um, we are going to be concluding our series on the other half. And I don't know about you guys, but I have enjoyed it. It has challenged me. It has pushed me. It has affirmed my calling. It has done so many things for me. And I'm so thankful that we have a pastor that believes in women in ministry, that believes in women and the call of God on their life. So I'm so thankful to our pastor. Um, And so I'm going to be wrapping up this morning, preaching to you a message entitled Commissioned for Change. So are you ready for change? Are you ready to be sent out for change? I know I am. So the verse we're we're really going to be focusing on this morning is, is no surprise, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And it says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We talk about the Great Commission a lot in church. We talk about it. We, we say, oh, yes, we're, this is what we're called to do. This is the Great Commission. These were the last words that Jesus spoke before he ascended. But Do we really understand what it means to be commissioned? And I think sometimes we forget what it means to be commissioned. And and the word commissioned by by definition is an act of committing or entrusting a person or group with supervisory power or authority. It is also an authoritative order, charge, or direction. It's an authoritative charge or direction. It is an entrusting a group a people or a group of people with a certain task. And this was Jesus's task to the church. This was the first thing that he told his disciples before he ascended into heaven. And this was the last things that we were left with. And this is our mission. If you don't know, if you are saved, you are part of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is a kingdom with mission and with purpose. And this is it. He gives the church its orders to make disciples of all nations. And in this directive, he makes no distinction between who can follow that mission, who can carry it out. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for prophets. It's not just for apostles. It's not just for teachers and shepherds, but it's for the whole church. This is the great commission to the whole church. It doesn't, Jesus never says, oh, this is the great commission for the men that follow me. Or this is the great commission for this certain people or this type of personality. But this is what I'm asking of you to do, the whole church, men, women, and people of different giftings, because we are one body. We as the church are to carry out this mission. And because there is no distinction, women, this goes for you. You are not going to get a pass today because I don't get a pass. And I may step on your toes and I may challenge how you feel your role has been in the body. Your role is significant. 
And I want you to remember that as, we, as I speak this morning, that you have a mission and that you have a place. And there's no distinction. You are to make disciples of all nations and share the good news of the gospel with you wherever you go. It is not, there's no other way. It's not an option. You have no option. If you follow God, this is the call of God on your life. To make disciples wherever you go, to carry the gospel with you as you go, and you have a place in the kingdom, and you have your marching orders. I want to share with you a story of a girl in the... Um, she lived in the early 1900s, and, and when she was 17 years old, she went to a Pentecostal revival that was in her hometown. And after three days of, of being there, she, she accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior, and she was also baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and from that moment on, she would never be the same. She felt a call of God on her life, and in fact, she married the man that was speaking when she was saved. She, she fell in love with the pastor, and I understand that. I fell in love with the pastor, too. Um, <laughs> but two years later, after she was saved, her and her husband started, they went on a missionary trip. They went to, China, they went to the Middle, or not the Middle East, I'm sorry. They went to China to be missionaries. So two years after they get married, they go to China, they're missionaries. But when they get there, they both contract malaria. And after only three months of being there, her husband dies. She was pregnant, alone, and in a foreign country and didn't know what to do. So she returns back to the United States with her daughter. She is now a single mother. She knows there's a call of God on her life, but she doesn't know what that looks like anymore because she's alone. And the person that she thought that she was going to be a partner with in ministry has died. She doesn't know what to do. So instead of, of saying, well, I'm going to forge force. Now, remember, this is the early 1900s. Early 1900s. Women did not even have the right to vote at that time. Let alone say, I'm going to pursue a life of ministry. So instead of doing that, she gets remarried, has another child, and decides to try and live a normal life. Whatever normal means. <laughs> and... As she's trying to live this normal life, she becomes very ill. She becomes so ill that it leads her to her deathbed. And she knows that she has this call of God on her life, and she's resisting and resisting because she doesn't know what this looks like anymore. God, have you really called me? God, I don't know what this means. And on her deathbed, she finally says yes. She finally says yes, I will follow you. So she says yes to the answer of call the answer of God on her life, and nothing was the same after that. She, she knew she couldn't just sit still. So her and her husband and her two children get in a car that she called the gospel car, and she traveled up and down and across the United States holding revivals and preaching to whoever would listen, to whoever was listened. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. She preached. And after a, a, a time of doing that, God told her to make a home. He told her to make a home in Los Angeles, and she built a home not only for her family, but she also built a home for the people of God where she could preach. Now, in 1923, her church opened and her ministry continued. Her church was not a small one. It was very large. It seated over 5,000 people, 
and was filled to capacity every time the doors were open. And the doors were not open just every Sunday and every Wednesday. It was multiple times during the week. Services and services and services. And in her ministry, in her time, in her ministry, in the pulpit, thousands were saved. Thousands were saved. Thousands were healed. She believed so much in healing that there was a special room in her church that was dedicated to wheelchairs, crutches, and things that people had brought with them. And then they had to leave behind because God had healed them. She was a woman of power. She walked in the authority of God. Not only did she believe in salvation and healing and the power of God, but she believed in the going out and making disciples and caring for the poor. At the time, her church was around during the Great Depression. And during the Great Depression over those years, her church fed 1.5 million people in the Los Angeles area. 1.5 million people. The commissary in her church made sure that people stayed alive during that time because she believed in who God had called them to be. Not only did she do that, but she started a training institution that sent out the next generation of pastors, church planters, missionaries, and it just spread because she believed in the Great Commission and equipping other people to do the same. She revolutionized the way the the gospel was presented. She did so. Very, she presented the gospel very theatrically. It, it said that she would bring ships out. That one in one message she preached, she brought a ship out and waves, and it was theatrical. And people were saved, and they saw the gospel in a new way. She also started a radio station that revolutionized not only the way the gospel was presented, but the way that radio was seen. Her radio station reached all the way to Australia, where people could hear her messages. This woman's name was Amy Simple McPherson. And if you know anything about the Foursquare Church, you know that that is the founder of our church. That is the founder of our denomination. And that is the legacy that we are a part of. I don't know about you, but that is a legacy that I am so proud to be a part of. I am proud to be a part of a legacy that believes in the Great Commission, that believes in training people up, that believes in sending people out, that believes in caring for the poor. I am proud to be a part of that legacy. She helped pave the way for me. And not only because of her example, but I am a product of that training institution. I am a product of Life Pacific College, which is the training institution that she founded. And because of her example, I get to be here today. It is, it is because of her belief in the Great Commission and that the gospel should be taken to all ends of the earth, that it wasn't the great suggestion, but that it was the great commission, and that her life was staked on what God had called her to do. Our lives are staked on the great commission, because that is who we are and what we believe. She believed it Sending people out was vital to her ministry. And honestly, she really never went out. She never set out to form a denomination. She really didn't. But because she sent people out, it grew so large and so vast that they had to put structure to her call. They had to put structure to what God had called her to do. And that is why the Foursquare Church is a denomination today. Because she believed in sending people out. It was foundational to her, and there was no other choice. Amy believed with her whole being 
that the Great Commission was worth her life. I believe that too, that it's worth my life. And that we should defy all odds and cultural norms to fulfill that mission. She believed the Great Commission unified us. It unifies us. It is the call of the church. It is not the great divide, but it's the great commission. It's the great unifier of the church. It says that we have one mission and that one mission rallies people around one thing and that we are to be rallied around what God has called us to do. We, have all, we all have the same mission and we're all called to be filled with the Holy Spirit and witnesses of the gospel to the ends of the earth. It is an all-inclusive call. It is not something that is meant to be divided out and certain people given this, you can fulfill this mission, but you can't. That's not the way that God intended it. And there is no indication in any part of scripture that that's what God meant or that's what God intended, that it was meant for women and men and that Jesus intended on both men and women carrying out this commission. And God has always intended on that. God has always intended on the partnership of man and woman. You can see this plan in creation. You can see it in creation. That was God's original intent. He created man. And then he created woman. And Eve was said to be his helper. But as we talked about in the first message that we preached, helper does not mean less than. But it's the same word that is used for the Holy Spirit. It's the same word in Hebrew that describes God when he's helping Israel fight his battles. That is how we were created, to be partners in dominion over the earth. God created Eve, not as a second-class citizen, but as an equal to Adam, as a partner in his call, as a partner in dominion over the earth, because Adam couldn't do it alone. Because one part is not enough. We need both. She was equal in responsibility. She was unique and distinct from Adam, but equal in responsibility, in value, and she was also an image bearer of God. The women, we too bear the image of God. We too bear his characteristics. We too bear who he is. We bear his name on our lives because we're human and we were intended and created to be equal. And it's not until the fall that there's even any distinction of that. But you know the, what? Jesus came to revert that curse. Jesus came to revert what was put on us. And he said, I call you to be unified. I call you to take my gospel to all the ends of the earth. In a short paper that the president of the Foursquare Church, Glenn Burris, wrote, he quotes the theme of the 1974 um, International Congress on World Evangelism. So remember, this is 1974. This was some time ago. And part of that theme was this. We affirm that ministry gifting and calling are not defined by gender or by ethnicity, wealth, or social status. Since the whole church, the whole church, is called to mission. The whole church is gifted for mission through in many diverse ways under the sovereign distribution of God's spirit. We affirm that ministry gifting and calling are not defined by gender or ethnicity, wealth or social standing. 1974. This was the world 
what was it? The, the International Congress on World Evangelism. These were leaders. I th- was it Billy Graham? Yes, Billy Graham was there. This is something that he believed. We say Billy Graham is, you know, one of the greats of this, this last generation, this last century. And he believed this. So why is the church have we run away from the equality in the mission? We are the church. We are men and women. And we make up the body. And we are to partner together. We're to partner together under the banner, banner of the kingdom. And each gender, I'm not saying that we all carry the same things. We're different. Men and women are different. If you're married, you know that for sure, because I surely do. They think differently than us. They act differently than us. They talk differently than us. They have different values than us. And that's okay. It's beautiful. But instead, what we've done as the church is said, oh, women, you're different. You lead different. So you need to sit over here and let us men lead. But instead of separating out and instead of saying you are different sit over there we should be leveraging our differences we should be leveraging that I am different than you that because God created us differently there was purpose God doesn't do anything unintentionally there is no coincidence there is no accident but that we were created unique and distinct to be partners together to fulfill the mission of God not to separate not to separate and we are stronger when we are united we are stronger when we all say we are going to go arm in arm bearing the kingdom waving the banner over our head saying this is who we are this is the kingdom of god and we are his church first corinthians 12 12 through 13 reads for just as the body is one and has many members And all the members of the body, though many, were one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And we were all made to drink of the spirit. But you say, oh, well, women are left out of that. Actually, the same writer of 1 Corinthians, who was Paul, goes on later to say in Galatians, it's very similar to the verse because I think the whole church needed this message. And so because they were letters, not everybody got the same letter. In Galatians 3, 26 through 29, it says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew or Greek, There is either slave nor free. There is no male and female. There is no male and female. For you are all one, one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. We are one body, and we cannot see one part as less important as the other. So when you spend a lot of time with someone, I don't know about you guys, especially if you're married or if you just have like a friend that you spend a lot of time with, you come up with things to do when you're bored, like long trips or things. So, so something that Josh and I do when we get bored or if there's a lull in conversation or if we're in the cars is, have you ever guys, have you guys ever played Would You Rather? Like, do you guys know what that game is? Do you know what it is? Okay, it's, it's weird. But so, we, <laughs> so we'll, we'll ask crazy questions to each other. Like the other day, Josh was like, would you rather have chopsticks for hands or mini stilts for legs? And I was like, um, 
where did that come from? But okay, I guess I'd rather have mini stilts for legs. And, and a lot of times it's, which body part could you live with? Could you live without your hand or could you live without your foot? So we play this and it's funny. And personally, I would rather live without my foot because I feel like I could get along better in life without my foot. And that's basically how you answer those questions is how can I personally live without what it's asking. Would I rather have one thing or the other? It's, it's based on what you would, your personal preferences. And so in the church, sometimes we play, would you rather? We play, would you rather with the people that are a part of it? Would, would you rather live without women or men? Would you rather live without the poor or the wealthy? Would you rather live without lay leaders or pastors? That we, that we play these games unintentionally and sometimes intentionally, um, but that's not what God asks. And it's all set on personal preference. And we take, like we've talked about, certain scriptures out of context and disqualify people. A lot of times the church says, women are important, but if it came down to it, we can really live without you in pulpit ministry. As long as you, you take care of our children, as long as you, you, you play this role of, of housemaker of wife and those are important roles they're important roles because I do some of those too but it doesn't disqualify me from being a leader in the church and it doesn't disqualify me from the mission it doesn't mean that what I do is less than or insignificant and it doesn't mean that I can be lived without in the body because in those verses it says we are one body and though we are many parts we all play a role and we're all important and as the church we have to stop playing would you rather with the people that are in it because we are all important we are all important to the kingdom you are vital. If you are a man or a woman or a lay leader or a pastor, you are vital to the kingdom. You are a part of the body and you are important to the advancement of his kingdom. And it's easy to get caught up in our own personal preferences. It really is. It, it's easy to get caught up in what's comfortable for us. Well, I feel comfortable with that. So that's just where I'm going to sit. Or I feel comfortable with that. So I'm going to go to a church that is just like that because that's where I'm comfortable. And we don't, aren't challenged and we don't get uncomfortable. And God isn't calling us to a life of being comfortable. He's calling us to a life of mission, of purpose and discipleship. He's calling us to that, all of us. We have to become a united front against the true enemy. And the true enemy is divisive. And it is the attack of the enemy that has said, well, we can live without that. It is the attack of the enemy that says, oh, you aren't as worthy as so-and-so. And we, we disguise it as religiosity. We disguise it as, as faith, as, oh, well, I'm just being true to scripture. The enemy knows the word. He knows it. And he uses it against us if we let him. But we are a united body. And if we don't become united, we will always let things come between us and we will never be able to stand as a united front against the gates of hell in this world. Women, it's time to take your place. It is time to stop hiding in the shadows and it is time to stop being silent. It is time to stop running from what God has called you to do. You are people of a mission. Yes. 
and the kingdom of God does not discriminate and the Holy Spirit is not a respecter of persons. But you are called. The Holy Spirit doesn't discriminate in equipping its people for the Great Commission. He doesn't. As a woman, you can and should change the atmosphere everywhere you go. Because you bear the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer, you carry him with you. And you have the right and you have the authority and you have the ability to change the atmosphere everywhere you go. You have access to the Holy Spirit just as much as anyone else. There is no junior Holy Spirit and there is no special Holy Spirit for women. We don't have to ask for a special Holy Spirit and say, oh, dear Lord, give me the feminine Holy Spirit. Give me the one that says this is okay for me to walk in. He gives us the giftings. He equips us and he calls us. We don't ask for a different Holy Spirit. Because if we did, then we don't believe in the Trinity. We don't believe that God is one. We believe that he's different. And when we say that you have a different calling, what we're saying is, I don't think that God's call in your life is right, and you missed it. It is time for us as women to arise. It is time for us to take our place and find our spot in the kingdom of God. It is time to stop hiding. As a woman, you have a place in the kingdom. You have a purpose. And it is time to find it, stand up, and arise. It is time to take... Yes. It is time to arise. And it is time to take your place in the kingdom of God because you have a place and you have a purpose. It is time to take your place in pushing back the darkness. Push it back. Because if you don't, who will? In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Follow the call of God on your life, and no one can question that the Holy Spirit is moving through you. Amy was a woman in the 1920s. She didn't have the right to vote for a long time, but she pushed back the darkness. And no one could say, oh, well, you're not called when all of these people are getting healed, when you're feeding all of these people, when people are getting saved. When you walk in your calling, they will try but they cannot deny that the Holy Spirit is moving through you. We are commissioned to be lighthouses. A lighthouse sits on the shore and gives light to all who see it. The lost ships on the sea, it brings them in. It shows them where the shore is. It shows them they're close to home. It shows them there's hope to the end. If you've been in the midst of the storm, there is someone shining a light saying there's hope. Come find it. You are to be lighthouses, making camp in the darkness, making a home in the darkness so that you can shine your light that you are not less than. We are to be a beacon of hope for the lost. We are to live among the darkness as a city on a hill because we know the light of the world. No matter your title, your position, or your calling, 
God is commissioning you to push back the darkness. This goes for you as well, men. God is commissioning you to push back the darkness with every breath. Push back the darkness as you preach, teach, lead. Push back the darkness as you raise your children, as you dance, as you run your company. Push back the darkness as you go to work, as you clean your house, as you go to the grocery store. Push back the darkness with every breath that you have. Be a beacon of hope for the people that are around you because we live in a world where people are dying daily. And if we say as women, we don't have a part, we are missing it and we are letting people we're letting people go to hell. And we're saying that I'm not good enough to be that beacon of hope. I'm going to put a basket over my light and I'm going to turn the light off in the lighthouse because I don't feel like I can do it because of what so-and-so has said. But you have a voice. You have a purpose and it is time to use it and it's time to proclaim the gospel. It is time to speak life over all that you are around. It's easy to say, go and do. It's easy. It's easy to say, go and do this. Go be a light. It's that simple. It sounds so good. It sounds so easy. But women, I know that it will not always be the easiest thing. And you will face opposition. You will face people who minimize you, who degrade you, and who think less of you. You will especially if you're a woman who leads in ministry. You will find yourself in positions where you will be seen less than because of your gender. And I know this well. I know what it feels like to be looked over and minimalized. I'm a young female pastor with a degree in ministry. I am licensed and ordained minister of the Foursquare Gospel, of the Foursquare Church. I've followed the calling that God has on my life, and I've made it my life's mission to push back the darkness in my life, to do what God has called me to do despite what others may say. But at times, I have hidden. At times, I have felt the weight of what God is asking me to do. I have been told by pastors that they would like my husband in ministry, and somewhere, somehow, some way, they'll find a place for me in the church. And typically, it's in kids' ministry, just serving, never following my... Kids' ministry is great. I love kids' ministry. Did it for a long time. But that's not where God has called me in this season of my life. I've been asked if I write my own messages. I've been ignored when people find out that I am a pastor at a local church. I get ignored when people tell me I have the opportunity to preach on Sunday mornings. And I get confused looks when I communicate to others that I am our next gen director, mostly because I lead two men. And they look at me like I'm crazy because how could this woman lead two men? And most of the time they work with my husband so they think that I help him, but I'm actually kind of... You know, I can say it because pastor said it. I'm his boss. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> in more than one ways. Um, <laughs> just kidding, Josh. Just kidding. I love you. We are a team and we just kid. We just kid. <laughs> it's true. We really do work together well. I love you. But, but when... But when some would say that my obedience to God and the calling on my life is sweet, 
but shouldn't happen because I'm a woman. And I'm really not called to it. I just am kind of, I have this, people say that you have a Jezebel spirit, that it's defiance. This, I don't know. I don't, I, I haven't studied Jezebel very well. And I don't think I have that spirit because I hear from God. So just saying. Um, and that my job, that my calling of teaching, preaching, and leading in the church is a job left best with the men. This is what I remind myself. I'm a woman, but I am first and foremost a child of God, the creator of the universe. I am loved by God, and he sent his son to die for me so that I may have relationship with him, so that I may be set free. I have a purpose and a plan for my life. I am valuable. I am a woman called to lead, called to pastor, and called to preach and teach. And no man can take away the call of God on my life. I can either choose to run from my calling and try to live a normal life, or I can lean into my calling. I can lean into what God has said and Despite what others may say, I can lean into God for his wisdom and discernment on how to handle those situations because fighting with people never gets us anywhere. Sometimes all I do is smile and say, uh-huh, and I walk away and know who God's called me to be and just pray that someday there's revelation. And when the road gets rocky, I know that he's called me, he's equipped me, and he has qualified me. No one else. And man can't take away that calling, that equipping, or that qualifying because they didn't give it to me. I am equally loved and valued by God. And you and I, all of us, men and women, have a place in the kingdom. And we are all men and women commissioned for service because we all serve the same God, how would some, how, how, how does it make sense for us to say, oh, we all serve the same God, but you can only serve this way. But I can only serve the way that you see fit, not the way that God sees fit. You will face adversity. Whether you're a man or a woman in ministry, you will face adversity. It's the fact of life because the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and he will try and rob you of your calling because it puts you in the corner. It makes you ineffective, and you will face adversity. But in the midst of it, I challenge you to stand up. Stand up to the true enemy. Stand up to the true enemy and proclaim the truth over your life. Speak life over yourself. Speak life over your children. Speak life over your family. Stand up in his face and say, I am a child of God. I am the child of the God who created the universe. I am the child of the God that created you. And you cannot take away my calling. You cannot put me in a corner. You cannot keep me silent. And you will not try to box me in. Because I know who I serve. And I know he's already won the battle. And you're just playing with me. And I don't play. Tell the enemy who you are. Tell him who you are and who you serve. Use your voice to speak life. And know you're not alone. You are not alone in this. 
You are a part of a body. You have people cheering you on whether you see it or not. I had people in my life who saw the calling and the potential on my life before I ever did. My parents, who never treated me differently because I was a girl, (laughs) who let me sit on the corner with my picture Bible at five because they raised me to know Jesus. And they raised me to follow what he said. So they let me sit on the corner in my neighborhood with the Bible waiting for somebody to walk by and ask me what I was doing. Now it was the middle of the day because I was homeschooled and nobody came by, but my mom still let me sit there as long as I wanted. She let me walk out the call of God on my life. They supported me when I went to Bible college. There was Christy Stretz, the children's pastor, who was the first to ask me to, to lead in her ministry. And that's why, that's why children's ministry is important to me. But it's not my calling now, but it raised me up in who God was calling me to be because she gave me positions of leadership. It's Cole Stafford, who is my youth pastor, who asked me to be a part of student leadership because he saw the call of God on my life. It was the countless professors in school who told me to dream big and to live a life for God, that there was no thing that God called me to that I couldn't achieve if I followed his spirit. The professors that told me, you have a dream to church plant, I'm praying for you, I'm cheering you on, you can do it, men and women, called people. They pushed me forward. My husband, who wouldn't let me hide from my calling when things got hard. The countless women in this church including my bonus mom, who encouraged me daily with the way that they live their lives because they live their lives pushing back the darkness, discipling, mentoring, leading, pastoring, preaching. The girls in my youth group who I have the distinct honor to mentor and love, who make me a better pastor every time I'm around them. Whether they know it or not, they make me better. And our pastor, who is also my bonus dad, which makes it even better that he affirms the call of God on my life. That he gives me opportunity to stand here to preach to you and says, you are called. And I affirm that in you. Women, take a second and look around you. You are in a church full of women who are leading and loving and pushing back the darkness with their every breath. Who their call in life is distinct to who they are. You are a part of a church that values women in leadership. That are fulfilling the great commission in their everyday lives. If you feel alone, look around you. If you feel alone, ask for prayer because this church doesn't say you are less than. This church doesn't say you were disqualified. This church says, let's rally around you. Let's get you to where you need to be. If you need help, let me be the hand that helps you. Speak life over yourself and others. The words of others can lead us to silence. But God is calling us to speak up, to rise up, stand up, come out of the shadows and say, take your place. The enemy for too long 
has let us sit in the corner because he knows, he knows that when we partner together, we are a threat. And that our silence makes it easier for him. We are commissioned to make a change in our church, in our community, and to make a change in our world. Women, this is your call. You are commissioned to make a change in our church, in our community, and in your world. Be a light. Push back the darkness with every breath, whether it's you raise children who follow after Jesus, whether it's you go to work every day, whether it's you're an engineer, a pastor, a preacher, whatever it is, you push back the darkness, you make an impact, you make him know your name. And that is the mission that we are all on. Women, it is time to stop waiting for something to change. It's time for you to take your place as a daughter of the Most High. It is time to stop running from your calling. It is time that we arise. Jesus commissioned us, the Holy Spirit empowers us to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. You are commissioned for change. And that's a wrap. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church Audio Podcast. We hope you were encouraged and empowered by today's message. If you would like to learn more about our church, please visit our website at r4sq.org. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.